Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 24, sitting across here from Mr. Jim Stewart himself. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing good, sir. What's up, everybody? We have a great show for you guys today. I am super excited. I really want to get to what we're carrying, but I'm going to go via the pace that Matt's at. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to Jim Stewart this, and I'm going to talk about 40 different things before I can get to his very exciting knife. Um, no! I'll be honest with you guys, it is... It's 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. here right now. I got here at about 7.30, and then Jim and I were talking shop, and I I get it. It would have been cool if we'd have plugged the microphones in. <laughs> Not all shop talk needs to be broadcast over the airwaves anyways, but we just started rapping together, which is a win and a loss. So uh, how do I put this? We are already have so much momentum behind our conversation because we've been like yelling and laughing and crying and doing all the things people do. Uh, I think people do. I don't know. What normal I, people I, do. I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're not normal people. Uh, I think I think it's pretty touche. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the momentum is definitely there. Uh, it is going to be one of our semi fast and loose episodes because I was putting the boots to it in my shop today and I did not have time in spite of our delinquency last week to put together a history segment. So that is a hundred percent on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> you guys are going to have to deal with it or it's, yeah, it, yeah, it's on, it's on mine too, because I had a number of response podcast responsibilities this week and I've been just kicking some major butt in the shop recently. We had some, oh. we had some staff changes. Speaking of professionals <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah we i had some staff changes so i'm in the middle of training new people just hired a new manager for my assembly department oh nice and and uh you know he's starting tuesday i'm gonna actually see if he's free on the weekend to see if you can come in and make a knife oh there or you something. go something just Very just cool. try, just try to spin him up on exactly what it is that i should do. apply for the job just so i get to go in and make a knife <laughs> and then be like i don't think it's gonna be a good yep, fit yep, <laughs> training. <laughs> training does include a free knife yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i'd only known that i got one of those groucho marks this guy sorry guys i'm moving my microphone. Um, I, I got one of those glasses with the uh, nose and the mustache. And I'm like, sure. like, who are you? I'm Leonard Kopchak. I, 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 I'm fart farting. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. we've got a hell of a show ahead of you. We because we missed last week, we had a question box that was up that is absolutely bursting at the seams. So, I have a feeling our Q and A's are going to run a little bit over in lieu of the history segment. However, let's get to the fun parts. Jim, what are you carrying? Yes! <laughs> Finally! <laughs> Finally! All right, because Michigan was awesome this month. Michigan passed its Legal to Carry Switchblades Act. This isn't the first show since the ban was lifted, is it? No, I had Huck's no. Night. I had my yeah, 110. Yeah, you had the 110. Okay, good. Yeah, I was just 110. making sure that I didn't miss like a momentous occasion. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. We were, we were on time with that. And we, we um, in case you guys missed it, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Behind the Blade Podcast, you can see a live stream of Matt laying out all of his switchblades because we were oh, that's super right. excited. We did a li- that's right. <clears throat> that's right. We did the live stream. Right. And uh, he had a Microtech Scarab. <clears throat> and I'm like, you know what? I have to get me one of these. And... And uh, before, you know, because he was showing me beforehand about what, what he was going to lay out. Coincidentally, I had just purchased one online. Listen to this. Oh, Shout out to a Microtech OTF, folks. That's right. It's a Microtech OTF. It's got a Tonto point, but I got um, a really good deal on it because it has worn grip tape. <laughs> and that something like that 
Doesn't bother me Nothing at all. Nothing devalues a knife like Warren Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my uh, my KME to that um, shameless product placement. There you go. A little bit unintentional, but I literally am gonna take my KME to this, and I'm gonna put a really wicked edge on there. But it is rock solid. Um, there's no blemishes or no marks on it other than my, other than normal pocket wear, and the grip tape's worn. That doesn't bother me at all. I'm super excited to have this knife, and uh, as I said in the. Uh, in the live stream, um, that I was going to get it and I got it. I got a good price for it. So here it is. And I am super excited. I took it to karate yesterday nice. and I, and I showed my sensei and I'm like, sensei, look, I got, I got, I got a microtech scarab. Can I use this in sparring? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no fighting classes tomorrow, oh, okay. but <laughs> yesterday was weapons. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm super excited to have this knife. So this is my carry today because it is legal in Michigan to own or to, it was before to own it, but now to carry it, I can legally carry switchblades. I know Matt's been carrying his pretty religiously since. Anywhere you want. I've actually <clears> been waiting for the opportunity to take a picture with me and an officer of the law while I'm holding a switchblade. Oh, dude. Yeah. As the soon opportunity as that... just hasn't presented itself yet, but if it does, trust me, it's going to show up on the podcast page. Yes, it'll <laughs> be awesome. And then on top of that, of course, I am also carrying my ULB and my very trusty Victorinox Swiss tool, which, are, which I which I guess I've said before, actually, is not that popular. I guess people like right, the other yeah. one. Yeah. I don't know why you're so hung up on that. You've brought it up several times that you're like, because, nobody likes my multi-tool. Because, <laughs> seriously. Because, I want because, to be a dentist. That's <laughs> <laughs> busting my balls. But, but no, it's amazing to me because I use the crap out of this all the time. Yeah, I don't see any and, crap in it right now, so you must. No, all the time. It never has a chance to poop itself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, uh, and, and I'm just like, why don't people like this? It's awesome. And uh, so, anyway, so that's what I'm carrying today. And now, to flip the question back to Matt, what are you carrying, good sir? Because I think it's one of my favorites. I'm bristling today, guys. Uh, I'm always, every time I come to the show, because, hey, hey, look, we all carry knives. I hope you guys all carry knives. I assume that you do. Uh, but when I come over for the show, I feel like a 10-year-old preparing for a sleepover with his best friend. So I put all my favorite <laughs> stuff on, and I load my bag with all my favorite <laughs> gear. And I'm like, so, but to be honest, today what I was carrying was, you guessed it, Alox Pioneer mm-hmm. in black, little Damascus bead on it. That's my go-to. That's my mainstay. That's my main jam. But I was also carrying one of my own knives, which isn't very common. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm i not going to lie. I feel a little uh, funny talking about my stuff on the air, but the show must go on, so I'm going to discuss it. So today <laughs> I am carrying a vehement knives, Kudo Misa. And the Kudo Misa <laughs> has got a name that's uh, historically or st- steeped in history, I guess, mm. if it were a tea bag and history were <laughs> boiling water. Uh, it's steeped in history. <laughs> um <laughs> This is a 154cm double quillion guarded full tang knife with a pretty high flat grind. It comes into a swedge that runs just past 50% of the blade length. I think it's a five. I should know. I think it's a five and a half inch blade. I feel like I should really know that. I got a ruler on my Swiss tool. Um, Three (laughs) sixteenths. Nobody likes that thing, Jim. Put it away. I'm sorry. Um, It's uh, three sixteenths thick. This one is uh, vehement. Now I almost said there. <laughs> you're trying to be so objective yeah, that your pronouns are I taking over. I almost refer to myself as they. <laughs> I guess better than well, like the royal we. It's, it's better than first person. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. So Matt Martin did a great job on this night. <laughs> it's got the tiger lips finish. And I'll give you guys. I really. 
I hope you guys can hear it my voice. I'm very uncomfortable talking about my own company on the podcast. And Jim and I try mm -hmm. to take some efforts. And we know that there's vehement fans. We know there's Bark River fans. Um, but we want this to be kind of a, uh, Jim, help me out with a word that I feel like I should know, but don't. Degree of separation? Is it, well, I was thinking like yeah. stanchion or bastion. I don't, is there a word like that that fits that? Um, stanchion or bastion or um, not parapet. No, not parapet. No, no I mean... No, we're just naming castle parts now? I think is that's that what you're doing, right? isn't it? Isn't it? Draw, draw gate. Yeah, yeah, draw yeah, gate. It's, it's, it's drawbridge. Port, moat. Port it, Yeah, the last moat. No, uh, <laughs> we, we really want to just be more involved in the industry as a whole, and we're such supporters of so many other knife makers and companies alike that it seems self-serving to talk about our own stuff, but truth be told, I carried this mother today, and I love this knife as if it weren't my own. Um, it's a green canvas micarta tiger lips finish, which is uh, kind of an applique to the blade, but it's uh, in the finish. It's an acid etch using a proprietary process that only uh, the vehement crew know themselves. <laughs> Not even I know this process. Uh, and it's got some brick red liners, and it's in an experimental sheath that was for an upcoming... I put it in the Rampart sheath. Did which you really? Is a model that we've even released yet. Oh. I just wanted to try it, and I think this is going to be our five and oh. a half. That'll be our new universal field it's, sheath. That's cool. It's it's, it's all rough backed. Yeah, I yeah. like this a lot. Rough that's cool. back with a stone pouch and a DC, fire steel loop. Yeah, DC three for the Falcon DC three stone. DC3, which you guys yeah, that's know I'm cool. A huge fan of. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I carry that. But what's what I actually brought for the show? Now that I'm, I can just stop being uncomfortable. Although I do have to say, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to plug it, but. I mean, there's little things on this knife that make me oh. make me proud little pop. Oh, I, oh yeah, no, that's I, yeah. that's cool. It's cool. Uh, it's it's, the, it's very it's a very Matt Martin thing. The, is, is what the, that is. Yeah, it's got a mohawk. I put a mohawk on it, uh -huh. and I gave it some sh tattoos, <laughs> and then I put a bone through its nose. So very. Oh, did you mark the time? On I'm that? marking a time Sorry. code right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So one thing. Uh, you know what? If you guys want to know what's up with Vehement Knives, then feel free to stop by the Vehement Syndicate. I have no problem plugging that because we can talk about everything that we do on the knives in there, and I don't have to burden you with this on our show. So what I'm actually carrying for the show today, and I did carry it yesterday, and I really enjoyed it, Oh, is my, just so I get the nomenclature right, LT Wright. I'm pretty sure the G is silent, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a break your line because you think I'm serious for a half yeah. second. Yeah, it's all totally, yeah. You illiterate. Uh, yeah. No um, need to timestamp that one. I, uh, <laughs> um, no, so this is an LT Wright Outback Scandy Ground in CPM 3V double red micarta. Uh, and until I got my hands on it, it was matte finish on the micarta, but I took it to the buffer because, you know, I just like polished micarta and you really don't lose anything uh, in tactile grip, although it looks mm -hmm. more slippery as you sweat. Your sweat actually reaches the fibers, the exposed mm -hmm. fibers yep. of the micarta and it tacks up, whether it's blood or water or mucus. I oh, guess yeah. Would be another, no, yeah there, there, there was a there was an author out there that actually did a test, a full test planking on it. I don't know if I've met of a but but I've told you about this before, but planking a, like. Oh yeah, like the thing from the early two thousands where people would do that uh, across statues and stuff. Yeah, well, well, not not exactly across statues, okay. but but he had a polished handle Bark River knife in one hand, mm -hmm. both hands on it, clasped around oh, around oh, the handle. Like the exercise move planking. Right, right, right. With um, you know, not on his elbows or anything, but the only thing supporting his body weight were his tippy toes and the knife point with his hand on the polished handle. That's a risky one. Huh? No guard. And, and it was I'm my assuming. car. No guard. Uh -huh. It was a Bravo. Okay. All so right. yeah, it was a Bravo. No slipping. No, no gloves. Right for extra for extra thing. It was just his hands, and he even coated, and 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 it sounds it's 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 like it's like a trick. He coated the handle in oil, 
No kidding. To do it. Well, what happened was the oil roughed up the micarta because it soaked into that first layer and made it more fibrous. Yeah. Just like all liquids do to micarta. Exactly. And and he was able to hold the plank with it. I mean, so. Well, I think this yeah. raises an interesting point. So, mm-hmm. and I think this is worth talking about. And again, guys, this is going to be kind of a wrap session. This is going to be more of a typical web podcast than our usual structured behind the blade. But we're still going to try to keep it together a little bit, I guess. Um this is a common misconception with polished micarta. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to slip out of my hands. I mean, it looks like obsidian. And yep. obsidian is glass. Let's just say double black canvas micarta. I mean, oh, it's sure. black. Well, yeah, yeah. When you and see something that smooth and that lustrous and that shiny, I mean, you immediately think that slippery. it's going to be slippery. Right. Because, and, because well, and, and to your credit for thinking that, the things that typically look like that are, are slippery. slippery. Right. I mean, so... However, what you're doing when you're hafting, we call it in the shop hafting, but when you're shaping the handle on the knife, when you're making that handle take on its final shape, is as you're grinding away layers of the matrix, which is a phenolic resin that the textile, which could be, I mean, all the way down to paper, linen, canvas, burlap. Yep. Kevlar, you know what I mean? That, and that blue jean drapes, right, you, know, exactly. you know, herringbone patterns, all sorts so of stuff. So whatever that material is, it's suspended in this phenolic matrix, which is resin, you know, that fills up those pockets and makes it a solid instead of a floppy piece of fabric. Yep. Well, as you're grinding it away or sanding it away, in this case, we grind on the blades, we sand on the handles, just so you guys know, we're just talking apples to apples. But as we're sanding away on that micarta, we're revealing the ends of these little fabric fibers well those fibers still possess a limited albeit because of the phenolic but still present wicking property yeah and those fibers will swell up and you get these microscopic tendrils that grab onto your hand oh yeah and i don't care how polished it is yep now you know what doesn't do that jim what's that carbon fiber yeah yeah carbon fiber didn't do any of that carbon fiber is like holding a bar of soap if your hands are cold and dry and it just it just slides on if your hands are cold and dry which look guys i came from colorado before moving to the world famous new sheffield and it is very cold and dry there during the winter even during some other months um and or other seasons but when your hands are dry and they have that layer of dead dry skin on on top of them and Mm -hmm. everything's kind of cold so you're not sweating and you're not tacking anything up nothing is slipperier than carbon fiber. I mean, it's seriously, it's, it's like holding a bar of wet soap. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, is it cool? Yes. Is it lightweight? Yes. Is it unbelievably strong? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Is it a total mother to work? Tenfold. Yep. yep. So mm-hmm. I am against carbon fiber in my <laughs> shop personally yep. because it's difficult to work. It's hazardous to breathe. Yep. It is lightweight and strong. I will mm-hmm. give it points for that. Oh, sure. However, it has absolutely zero tactile response or purchase yeah so to me it's an ineffective <laughs> knife material now if it's look I, does that mean i don't own any carbon fiber handled knives no i've got a boker tuxedo quaken that i'm absolutely in love with and so it, i'm not saying don't do this or don't do that i'm just saying you won't see me do it in any regular fashion the occasional special order which i do kicking and screaming but my carta polished still has grip yep uh Polished G10? What's your experience with that? I normally use textured G10. And I don't use sheet stock of G10. So what's your experience with polished G10? Um, it does absorb. Um, it, not necessarily absorb. Um, it does come up a little bit. 
Just, just oh, it a does, hair. Just a little just, bit. I mean, those are glass bit. fibers I mean, I mean, for those uh, you guys who don't know yeah. who are out there. So yeah. they, they use textiles and micarta. G10 is a resin bonded with layers of fiberglass in the same it, manner, but it's a different resin. Yeah, it's, it's made exactly the same as micarta, only mm. it's layers of fiberglass. Right. You know, in, in there too with the dye pulled through. I mean, they're able to get a more uniform color. I think yeah, that's it one gets of the better reasons colors, why. more vibrant oh, colors. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, just because of the process itself. I mean, it's so, you know, just so meticulous. But um, in my experience, um, it is a little bit more slippier, slipperier, okay. slipperier, is Slip, that a word? A little bit more slippery? A little bit more slippery, that would be the smart way of saying it. The yes. slip coefficient is way up there. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, it doesn't grip in your hand as well as my carbon does, but it's definitely not as bad as carbon fiber. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely not as bad as carbon fiber. Okay, tangent so, over. What's happening, gang? Matt Martin here. You guys, uh, this episode specifically probably heard me talking about uh, a Scandinavian ground knife craze that I'm into. And I gotta say, I was looking through the catalog of one of my good buddies and friend of the show, Mr. Tom Krein himself, and he does arguably the sexiest modern take on the Scandi ground bushcrafter and having one of Tom's regrinds and knowing his regrind and grind, you know, initial grind, even on his own original designs, his prowess and the attention that he puts into his edges. I've got to say that I think I'm going to pull the trigger on this technical bushcrafter and I cannot wait to commit to it, get it in the mail and take it out and test it because I know that thing is going to be able to split atoms. So I invite you, everybody, to find out what the hype is, find out what I'm talking about, and I, I tell you, you won't be disappointed. Check him out at Jim. Back me up. I'm so bad at this. I happen to know the URL: crineknives.net. K R E I N K N I V E S dot net. And I think the Facebook group Crying Knives, right? Yeah, uh, facebookcom slash group slash knives spelled the same because I already did that once. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and you can take a look at his designs. I tell you, uh, the more I follow Tom, and I follow Tom for a number of years now, but the more I follow him, I start to kind of peel the layers back and see the depth and breadth of his product line. I mean, he's got some very classic gentlemanly designs. He's got some super racy kind of tactical looking stuff, and he's got everything in between. So I got to say, I am absolutely looking forward to wrapping my hands around one of these technical bushcrafters, and I recommend that you check out some of his other work to see even the non-Scandy Ground stuff and understand what all the hype is about. Thank you so much, and please be sure to tell him that Behind the Blade sent you. We Go were ahead. talking about my new knife. Yes. Okay. Continue. Um, obviously, in our shop, uh, I've got some plans going for a new bushcraft knife with a Scandi grind. Yep. Um, I've experimented once or twice with a Scandi, but I can't even say beyond those attempts. And they were serviceable, sellable, nice knives, I think, in my opinion. I mean, they met our standards, that's what I sure. say. Um, but I haven't done a run of Scandi ground knives. Right. Um, so I'm very eager, and I'm trying to get my hands on as many Scandis as I can, because I actually fell in love with the Ray Mears wood lore, which I think is what mm -hmm. spawned this whole mess. Yeah. Because who yep. didn't grow up, well, grow up? I mean, I was a young adult, but I watched all the Ray Mears videos, and I was so impressed with this bizarrely ground knife that seemed like it could do so many things. So, here it is, guys. Other than Mora's, this is my very first Scandinavian ground, which is a very low zero ground saber, basically, mm -hmm. the Scandi grind is. Yep. Um, 
So I mean, I would say it's half inch, three eighths, maybe. That half looks inch, like three eighths. I can I can get out my ruler on my get thing. Get out your <laughs> unpopular Victorinox and measure that grind height. Let me see. So it's about three eighths high. It's just under three eighths. Just under three eighths. Just under three eighths high. Is that five sixteenths or something like that? Maybe? Yeah, five sixteenths. Okay, Masamenos. Five sixteenths. Yeah. You guys didn't know I was bilingual, did you? Um, <laughs> so it's got uh, you know this. We're gonna call it three eighths because I'm not gonna do five sixteenths. It's got a, a three-eighths high scandy grind, regardless of what that stupid twist tool says. Uh, <laughs> it's probably wrong. 3V steel, it's a little bit of a tall blade. Um, it is which, a tall blade. Which struck me slightly. Now, Yeah, I think the width is like an inch and a quarter. LT's a hell of a designer. He's got a lot of killer models as Genesis, and uh, a lot of stuff has got some racier lines to it. So I, it's definitely a different knife and there's a lot of holding material between the top of the edge bevel and the spine which tells me it's going to be an insanely tough field knife although it's not like the sexiest lines you've ever seen you know what i mean but i think out of practicality the spine is a 90 degree spine which is very popular with bushcrafters because the uh, fire steel striker is so heavy and takes up so much space um so <laughs> but <laughs> Hey, one second, one second. Okay, go. All right, I, I say, <laughs> we have some momentum behind tonight's conversation. <laughs> uh, but I think as a purpose-built bushcraft knife that you wanted something a little bit on the heavier duty side, even though this is probably a 530 seconds blade. I mean, it's a relatively thin blade by our standards, yep. but I Looks, think a thick blade for a bushcraft. Knife. It, it's it's 3 sixteenths about. So 530 seconds, oh, I would thinner, say about. No, that's oh, is it? thinner than 3 sixteenths. But yeah. I tell you what I appreciate about this. The, that looks like about the same thickness as the gunny, which is yeah, this is five thirty seconds, right? Yeah, that's, that's let me see. I mean, significantly. But what I appreciate about this, oh, yeah, is yeah, that definitely. when you use these super steels, I love it when companies exploit the steel. So mm -hmm. this is CPM three V steel. Now, assuming all things are right, which LT has got a great background, and so it tells me he's got a good heat treat. Yep. You know what I mean? He's got mm -hmm. a stellar heat treat. Historically speaking, his heat treats right. He's using CPM 3V steel, which is arguably one of the toughest commercially available blade steels. Yep, totally. Uh, yep. You know, next to a couple other oddballs that are mm -hmm. out there. Um, this is a perfect knife in the sense that it's not too heavy, it's not too bulky, and it is as tough, I would suppose, without putting it through an actual breaking test, as a 316 knife, except you have less weight in this thinner blade. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, and, I would agree. So yeah. I think that's a brilliant move on his part. Mm -hmm. um, they use loveless bolts in the handles, which I'm a huge fan of, of course. Uh, and they did a spectacular job. Fit and finish 3V is very difficult to finish. This has a typical LT right scratch pattern running down the side of the blade. Mm -hmm. All very uniform, all in the same direction. The grinds pop. They're nice and crisp. The plunge lines are dead nuts even. Um, brass lanyard tube, which I was a huge fan of. And it came in a, what did you say this company was? JRE. JRE sheath. JRE. So yep. it came in a JRE sheath, which is kind of a mahogany, burgundy sort of color, and it matches the handle nicely. It's a dangler, which I can't stand, um, but that's just because I don't like danglers. Yeah, take the dangler off. I can't. The <laughs> stupid D-ring is stuck on the sheath. Oh, it doesn't? Oh, it, no, oh yeah, 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 that's right. It comes off, and I have this D-ring, and then I... Yeah, but then like you have, yeah, I have to keep the D-ring. Okay. And it's always flopping around. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what I did like about the JRE sheath, though... Is number one, the double stitching. Number two, uh, the use of their eyelets, mm -hmm. uh, which means pretty versatile. I wouldn't carry this inverted. It's a deep pouch, you know, bushcraft style sheath. I wouldn't carry it inverted like you would see on like the web gear or something like right, that. Right. Uh, sometimes I carry my Falcon even that way just because it's so accessible. Mm -hmm. um, but what they did do that I really liked also is they gave you a very reasonably sized fire steel loop. Oh, it's much longer than ours. And it is That's, much yeah, it's, longer. It's much and longer, yeah. Let me mm -hmm. explain. So look at this. 
Now, guys, I'm going to use my own sheath for critique on this. I have no problem talking trash about my knives in the air. I only have a problem saying nice things about them. Um, <laughs> so it's a prototypical sheath that we had made February 6, 2017. I actually wrote the date on the back of the sheath, and it says prototype so that I could field test it since February. And it's seen some use. It's seen some wood time. It's, it's definitely seen some snow used, and stuff. Yeah. Um, I did notice, though, we went with about... What is that? Half inch? Half inch looks like. So I, I did a half inch fire still loop on there. Mm-hmm. And after carrying it and using it, it, I feel like I could rip it out of the sheath. Yep. I feel like that leather has fatigued a little bit and it doesn't have the holding material necessary. So I can tell you on the production version of the sheath, we are going to lengthen it. And I actually took a cue from the GRE sheath. And that's what tipped me off is by having that longer fire steel loop, it adds so much more stability. And rigidity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it becomes like its own pocket instead of a loop. Right. You know what I mean? So I was very impressed with that part of the sheath. Overall, the sheath is of high quality. Um, It's it's vat dyed leather, so it's a very even looking. Um, The retention on the knife itself, I actually think is not my favorite. Um, It's a little loose, which when it comes to your one wood survival knife, you know, take that as you will. Um, you cannot wet fit a sheath and make it shrink. Nope. You can only we wet, covered this. Wet, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we covered this last episode. <laughs> I have a lot of rants, guys. So I, sometimes I say them in person and sometimes I say them on air. But I can't <laughs> distinguish the two. Um, so I'm glad we covered that already. But overall, I would give the sheath for its intended purpose a... 8 out of 10. That's a good score. Minus yeah. one point for the D-ring that can't be removed from the belt hanger if you wanted to take the dangler off and carry it as a regular belt, belt sheath. sheath. Yep. So minus one point for the D-ring. And minus one point for the retention, although I will give it the full 8 because it's such a deep carry sheath mm-hmm. that the knife does have a bias to stay in the sheath. For sure. So yeah. I, 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 yeah. I like that and definitely points on the fire steel loop. And the use of eyelets for versatility and carry. And the overall construction, I, I thought it was nice. Uh, the knife itself, as a bushcraft knife for this intended purpose. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm putting it up against the wood lore or even against a uh, mora or anything like that. I would give the knife 9 out of 10 for its uh, you know intended use. Premium materials. Mm-hmm. Workmanship is on point. Yep. I mean, the grinds, are, uh, the grinds are a 10 to me. Um, and I'm pretty, pretty scrutinizing when it comes to grinds. I I think the fit and finish are definitely great. Um, the only thing I would dock it on points is it is a slightly unnecessarily high, but that is super subjective. That's my own eyeball looking Mm -hmm. at it. So I actually approach this as saying, this is a modern Kephart knife. Yeah. 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 It's a, you and I kind of came up to the same conclusion that, that we felt that the entire thing could be, could be squished maybe by like 10%. Yeah. Like just, just. Not shorten in length, no, guys, no, but shorten in height. You know, if the knife were sitting edge down, spine up on a table. Um, and that's visual appeal, but as far as mm-hmm. function goes, okay, this is oh, the yeah, fun yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went in the shop. I wish I was giving you some crazy adventure tale where I was like, I was out in the woods. I just got done <laughs> fighting a bear. No, I was in the shop because I just got this in the mail, just like the rest of us. Everybody gets something in the mail, and they get excited, and they want to try it out immediately. And I said, all right, let's see the hype behind this candy. <coughs> Let me try to throw some... Uh, feather stick curls yeah. off a piece of wood that I just had laying around mm-hmm. the shop. And that seems like a reasonable test, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, that's what you're going to use your knife for. If it's wet, you're going to try to start a fire. You're going to make a feather stick. Yep. It's a pretty Which rudimentary means you have to do that. test. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Was it really? Like, <laughs> like, a, like a child's, a blonde child's hair. I was able to get these <laughs> fine, translucent, paper-thin curls. Mm-hmm. I could not 
believe it. And I'll be completely honest. Like my Kudo Misa is my favorite field knife overall. I mean, mm-hmm. of, that we make. You know what right. I mean? This is one of my all time favorite knives. Even as an owner, um, I, I love this knife. Mm-hmm. I threw curls with this LT right that I could not believe. And I said, look, mine's sharp. Mine shaves hair, oh, yeah. pops hair, it slices paper. I can fillet paper with it. Mm-hmm. And I took this to the wood and I said, I just want to see. Yeah. Night and day. Oh, <laughs> was it really? Oh, night and day. <laughs> night and day. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like taking a, how would I explain this? Taking a, like a stage two Screaming Eagle mm-hmm. Harley CVO uh-huh. <laughs> up against like the most built crotch rocket you've ever seen. I mean, it's just not, you're like, yeah, your bike's fast. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Not Scandi fast. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I was just uh-huh. like, oh my God, I couldn't believe the um, accuracy mm-hmm. on the Scandies. Now look, and I'll make no bones about it and I'm not going to BS you guys. Scandi ground knives do not have the same edge stability as a secondary bevel knife mm-hmm. or as a convex knife or a convex secondary bevel knife or whatever because it comes down to such a fine point. All that means, it doesn't mean that it's a, a lesser knife or it's not going to hold up. All it means is that you have to be aware of that, and I think that's important, mm-hmm. so that you can treat the tool with the respect that it commands. Yep. And by treating that tool with the respect that it commands, you are going to be handling one of the finest cutting instruments, in my personal belief, that you possibly can. Now, we as knife makers sometimes have to make knives a little bit idiot-proof because we know that they're going to be hammered on beyond what should be within their capabilities Mm -hmm. by people that are either testing the knife or are beginning their skills in knifemanship and go beyond the limits. They may just not know. Right. I mean, so so it's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not – man, how do do I say that? It's it's just inexperience breeds random situations – it does, and, yeah, and random results because because you don't know what has been done before has been has, has been done before. I tried to and baton so, my knife yeah. through. Well, I, no, actually, I was going to speak as um, a neophyte. Sure, but guess yeah. what? I was, and I was out. Brian, I'm totally throwing you under the bus right now. I was out with my buddy Brian Efros. <laughs> we were camping. This was a number Sup, of years ago. And uh, mm-hmm. we had just made some knives, and we were like, let's beat the hell out of these things. Mm-hmm. And we're like, let's baton with them. Let's let's really murf on these things. <laughs> like, let's, let's see how yeah. brutal we can be. And we were batoning some knives through a log. It was a hardwood log, and it was, you know, I don't know. 10 inches in diameter or something like that. <laughs> and we're going right down uh, the middle. No, you know, normally you start on the outside and you yeah. work from the outside and you get your sticks and all that stuff. It's not a bushcraft class, just a knife podcast. So I'm not going to go through all that, but we we're trying to baton it through the center of this log and we're using another log to hammer down on these knives <laughs> and we're just smashing them, like not even a baton stick, like uh, another log just to work it all the way through. And it was a total uh, nightmare and the knife survived and we were like, oh wow, you really can get pretty far with the knives. You know what I mean? So, uh, but uh, yeah, so just don't do that. I, I would say with the Scandi grind, if anything happens on the edges, it is typically user error more than fine cutting instrument error. But that being said, when you're cold and you're at altitude or you're distressed or you're hungry or whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of factors to take in. For me, I would have no problem taking this LT right in the field indefinitely. And I'm and because of its ease of sharpening on the Scandi, because it's such a flat grinding, you're not going to get it on a rock. You'll have to put a secondary bevel on or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, 
uh, I would have no problem taking this indefinitely for indefinite bush survival. So it, this gets, like I said, it, uh, sheath is 8 out of 10. Knife itself is 9 out of 10. Packaging was on point. It came in a non-corrosive wrap. Did you see this? No. No, I, I didn't. Think I think we're going to start doing this. We, we were approached by a similar company to do the same thing. Well, when, cool. when, when, oh, that is cool. Yeah. yeah when we, uh, oh, let me see. Protect. I think this is the same company huh. that we, we, we have brochure, we have, we have brochures from them. We're going to get into this stuff when we get into folders. The, there, gotcha. There's going to be a lot of this non-corrosive packaging. I mean, they have plastic bags too. I think I'd they be more apt thing. to get into that if I did more uh, carbon steel mine. For sure. Yeah. That's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty slick. So anyways, there is uh, me waxing lyrical about the LT right knife, which I'm very excited. I also have another Scandi knife en route, which I'm extraordinarily excited about. And we'll be sure to touch on that when it comes in. And that one's actually going to get tested with photographs. This probably will too. Um, so anyways, that is a very, very long version of what are you carrying today? Let's, <laughs> do we have any news? No, unfortunately. That's fine. Fortunately, we do not have anything that, uh, we, ha we, uh, on knifenews.com, um, there are a number of decent articles covering different stuff, but it's nothing that, um, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 nothing that we really haven't covered before in some other method. Yeah, I so mean, if so, you guys want to check it out, go to yeah. knifenews.com, Knife News for Knife People. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay, Knife good. News. Good enough? Yep. Okay, so yeah, go check them out and uh, check it out for yourself. But uh, nothing earth-shattering. Maybe last week some crazy stuff went down and we just forgot. Oh, there was... <laughs> oh, we're going to have to discuss it off air. I don't remember... Oh, no. There was something and... I don't want to say it here because I haven't substantiated it with any reliable source, mm -hmm. but there was something regarding knife steel out of Japan. Is it is it this article entitled "Just How Bad Is Budget Blade Steel"? No, no, I don't know. I didn't read it off Knife News. I heard it secondhand. That's why I said I haven't substantiated anything yet. So, but there, there might be something to that. Maybe we'll hit on that next week, guys. Okay. Um, in the meantime, Jim and I are going to go take a smoke break, and we will be back to you guys in about a minute and a half between ads. But to us, it's going to be about ten minutes. So we will see you guys in roughly a minute and a half. <laughs> Jim, what kind of edges are on your knives? Edges on my knives, man. We do exclusively convex edge geometry. You do full convex, right? Full con uh, full convex, um, either either in either Scandi height, which we call Scandivex, or Saber ground convex, full high ground convex. I'm rolling convex, my convex. eyes so hard right now. Convex, convex, convex. <laughs> <laughs> convex. You guys probably hear it. Uh, <laughs> we also do convex edges only. We do a secondary bevel at the Vehement Knife Shop. Uh, but we do convex edges on ours, which means that we sharpen on the slack belt versus uh, as opposed to hitting against a hard platen and putting a v flat V bevel. Mm -hmm. Picture that shape of a V, right? Uh, when it comes to recommending what sharpening system for people that want to maintain their either Bark River or vehement mm -hmm. knives, respectively, at home, there's really only one that comes to mind as being the best value, the most diverse as far as what else can it be used for? Because nobody wants to spend good money on a sharpening system. It can only be used on one maker's knife, right? Absolutely. So absolutely. As it, the, and KME sharpeners does a really good job of hitting as much as possible because because they have no control over what. 
people buy, but they definitely want you to have a sharp knife. Exactly. Or a sharp pair of scissors. A sharp pair, or, or an axe. Or a sharp axe, mm -hmm. right? You yeah. know what I mean? Or a sharp, you know, fob knife from your grandfather's pocket watch that maybe right. has some <clears throat> sentimental value to it. And, and all it needs is an edge. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. there's, I mean, it, you can put, if you're into the knife modding, you can do that mirror polished edge. If you are a construction worker that just beats the hell out of your knives and you just want to come home at night whip a keen edge on that thing boom you can do that they've got diamonds they've got arkansas stones they have the cbn compounds you have the convexing rod which i recommend for vehement knives and i know you do for bark 100 so uh they've got like i said the scissor attachment i mean it's endless the innovation that goes into this things is is really paramount and the fact that it is a family-run business and the fact that they use here's my favorite part other than the effectiveness of the system itself is that all components save one screw or maybe it was one nut i know there's one piece of hardware could be not positive is us made <laughs> but everything else they are positive is made in the united states so that's jobs that's helping other families it's that you know effect that long ripples in a pond effect right so i recommend that everybody goes check out kme sharpeners at kmesharp.com and they also have, I think they have a YouTube channel. <laughs> YouTube.com slash KME Sharpeners. And there's also a group on Facebook, KME Users, where you can actually spin up and get some tutorials. I just got added to that today. I, and, I did too, actually. Yeah, yeah by one cool. of the members, not even a guy from KME. I think it was just a member in there that, that right. threw us in there. But uh, yeah, so go check those guys out. And there's a whole culture based around these systems because they're easy to use. They're very effective. They don't break the bank. Although they are a quality product, they're not cheap. But you absolutely, I, in my opinion, you get more than you pay for. And when you do hit these guys up and you say, hey, we want to get hooked up, let them know that you heard about them from Behind the Blade Podcast. And we are back. Uh, so today, another Fast and Loose episode, but um, we're going to drag this one out. Not, not like on purpose, just like we're, we have a lot of content <laughs> yeah, yeah. to cover. Um, we have lots of Q&As from uh, two weeks ago. Matt and I were just busy, but right now we're catching up and we are diving right into the Q&As. Matt, good sir. Let's do this. Hang on. I'm trying to... Uh... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to wax a little bit more poetic than I usually am just so I have the time to pull up the questions. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to do too. All right, here we go. All, All right, right, I think I found it. Yeah, we're, we're good. Okay. Here we go. Into the Q&As. This is from the question box on the Behind the Blade podcast Facebook page. First one is from Jared O'Brien. I am in the beginning phases of drawing up my first design and gathering info and tools to start the project, but I feel like every time I draw something, the end result can be seen as a copycat of someone else's design. Mm. What do you do to avoid looking like a design thief? Also, maybe a small history segment about Westinghouse McCarter would be cool. Hashtag just saying. That would be cool, actually. That might that might be pretty cool, because Westinghouse McCarter actually has a huge history. Well, I mean, I don't know if we could do a whole segment on it, but I, I, we could definitely I, we could touch on it because it is yeah. pretty interesting. And you it know what? I'm going to keep you guys waiting with bated breath. Um, <laughs> Jared, this is something we all run into. And yep. let me and Jim, I have a feeling we're going to echo each other on this one because we share the exact same belief yep. on it. Yeah. There are only so many things you can do to a knife while keeping it useful. Yep. So it, that's it, true. As still as a functioning tool, it has to have an edge. Whether that's a convex edge, a secondary bevel, I am not going to use the term micro bevel because I think it's silly. 
um, a, you know, whatever it is, there are only so many things. It's going to have a spine. It's going to have a user interface in the form of a handle. It may or may not have something to help your hand not slide up the blade. It may or may not have a choil, but it's in the, the in the proportions and in the dimensions that you use these functional features that makes up the general aesthetic of the knife. So Jared, do not feel bad. This is something, look, I'll tell you a story. Vehement Knives has a model called the Vehemoth, and it's a fairly ridiculous design in my opinion because <laughs> I, I, look, I designed it and I make it, but mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it has a, a purpose. It has a place in the market. A lot of people have them. They're kind of a fun knife. They're a little bit out there. They're a little bit apocalyptic. It's a big recurved tonneau with kind of not futuristic, but semi-technical looking scales. Uh, and it's got a wild finish on it. And when I made this knife, I'm on Facebook. This was many you know years ago and before the big change where you had to have a business page. Mm -hmm. And you, yeah. you could just have your personal page. It could be called Vehement Knives or it could be whatever. Right, you know, right, right. Joe Schmuckatelli Knives. And uh, I'm starting that company now. You should. There's uh, actually it, a Schmuckatelli Skulls. Is and, there really? And, and, <laughs> uh, I used to know this old Master Chief where everybody uh -huh. was Schmuckatelli. And when <laughs> Schmuckatelli Skulls, their beads. Uh -huh. And I think Tracy over at USA Knife Maker Supplies carries them. Okay. Uh, but uh, I laughed so hard when that company <laughs> came out. But I came out with this behemoth, this big recurve tonneau. And I had a friend who I didn't know who he was. It was just somebody who sent me a friend request, and I approved it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Big deal. And the guy's name um, was Jerry Hossum. Oh, yeah. Turns out he's got a recurve tonneau, too. Oh. And I thought Jerry copied me. Right. I didn't know who Jerry was. Right. Turns out, inadvertently, I completely copied Jerry. And I didn't know him. <laughs> I didn't know that knife. I had never seen it before. I designed it to yep. be a recurve tunnel. Completely in independent out. from the knowledge of this other maker and knife. I, yeah, I could have been in, yep. a, in a deprivation chamber. I would have come up with the same design because I drew like five different tonos to submit to this customer who wanted this big custom. Mm -hmm. And the one, you know, one of them I, that I recommended, I said, this one's got the best visual appeal. Well, it turns out that's because it does. Yeah. And somebody had already thought of that. So yeah, there's only so much you can do about that and still keep it useful. As long as you're aware of it, then you can steer clear. But sometimes you will fall in that pitfall of, oh man, I just designed a knife that somebody else, and I made, worse, made a knife that somebody else already designed. No, it, it's, it's going to happen. I can almost guarantee you that you could sit down with me on a table and I could give you a napkin and a pen and you could, and I could say, I need you to draw a spear point anything, blade. Anything, anything, mm. oh. anything that you can think of for a knife blade. I'll, I'll be like, that wicked thing that you designed is called a hungamunga. Right, exactly. And that, have a name for the, it and a history behind right, it. Right. That thing you designed is called a marble's burden trout. Yeah. That, I mean, uh, and, and, um, I could, I could pick up any, like, a like a weapons of, weapons of world history or something like that. Where, yes. And I'm, and, and I'll, and I'll leaf through it and I will find something that is at least 90% what you drew. In five lines. <laughs> yeah. You know what uh, I mean? Absolutely. It's that simple. It can and, be that rudimentary. I mean, so, so there, isn't so much anything new that you can invent what you can do is you can combine lines in interesting ways that define your style and that folks is the voodoo like that really <laughs> is that's the that is the hard part but the gratifying part when you do land a home run yeah. and you're like i just created a new uh, the kudo misa i'm holding it right now right now this oh, knife yeah. that we talked about in the first mm -hmm. segment this knife Inadvertently, now this is a different situation. Mm -hmm. This knife is almost the spitting image of a Bianchi hollow handled or Garcia hollow handled survival knife from the 80s, 70s, oh, really? and 80s. <laughs> and I had no idea. Uh, However, yeah. I had seen those knives before, so somewhere in my brain, 
it it lodged in and i'm not yeah. saying the whole knife i'm saying the blade profile and i don't even i haven't put one side by side but picture to picture they look very similar gotcha and mm-hmm. and so I, I thought it was kind of funny so this is something we all run into mm-hmm. uh conversely though i think it's worth mentioning to the trench crew i'm talking to you guys right now specifically turn off the grinder for just one second trench crew calling all trench crew okay do i have your attention now good <laughs> here's the thing guys i know that you guys are coming up with creative designs However, in the same way that I just mentioned that inadvertently knife designers design knives that look similar to other designer makers, right? Mm -hmm. Do not get your knickers in a knot when somebody else does something similar to yours. Yes. It's one of two things. Well, it's one of three things. Mm -hmm. It's inadvertent unintentional yep they same thing that yep. happened to us where or any mm-hmm. any you guys are all guilty of it at some point where you're like oh man this is a great idea too bad somebody already did it but maybe you didn't know before you put the steel to the wheel so you have an inadvertent accidental copy the second option is a completely derailed train of thought i'm so sorry <laughs> i totally had this in three points uh-huh and the third point was that they were just a-holes and they did copy you. I don't remember what the second point was, but just imagine that I give you some or, or, major... Or pulled influence? Was the second point? Maybe. I mean, it's not really ringing any bells okay. per se. It might be scratching mm-hmm. at the door like a cat, right? but not barking like a pit bull. Gotcha. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so chances are it's inadvertent. And the only thing you run the risk of doing is looking like a jerk yourself or looking insecure. Like, hey, that's my choil. You know what I mean? That's, that's my swedge. That's 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 how you're going to come off. Yeah, because if, if you if you complain about it, you're coming off as a yeah, brat. You, you come off a little bit like that. Um. Oh bit. oh 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 oh. Oh, you got, got it. it. I got, got it. it. Yeah. Right. What okay. Is... Hang on. Point two is we're not even going to edit this because it's funny. Yep. Uh, point two is that it's flattery. So oh. all the guys out there who make and look, I'm one too that make these kind of Randall homages mm-hmm. or Loveless homages or even like uh. Uh, Philip Patton's another one. If you guys need to check out the master of fit and finish. Now, I don't copy his designs at all, but I tell you what, there's a guy out there. There's Buster Wierenski and there's Philip Patton. And Philip Patton has got no social media presence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. However, his knives are so friggin' airtight that they will make <laughs> you want to weep. That's so awesome. look up his knife. Yeah. He does a lot of like wasp waisted gladius style stuff. and mm-hmm. I, But his fit and finish are absolute zenith. And so like <laughs> you need to check that guy out but chances are it's either inadvertent it's some form of flattery depending on your following and your reach and how long you've been around maybe somebody's taking something that you did and they said you know what this is a great idea and it inspired me to apply it to my knife blade whereas Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a direct copy but it's inspired by and as long as they give you credit then that's obviously what it is and the third thing is it's a a whole plagiarist and guess what you're never going to even the score with an a-hole plagiarist no no they're well the thing is they're already behind the curve exactly they're already behind the curve because anybody who says that uh oh oh you know what i i copied their design Uh, my knife's gonna sell better because i made it no that'll never happen we not once in our shop we have three unique innovations that i can say are so I i have i have three total one of them is influence Mm-hmm. So our um, tiger lips finish that you see on our oh blades, yeah that's totally yours that's what yeah, yeah but it's influenced by Kiko Matsuda sure because of yeah. his blade treatments now they weren't in the same pattern mm-hmm. and they were visually aesthetically appealing in a in his own way okay but I took that concept and applied it to our stuff so that's homage okay right um, directly we have our radius polished choils yep that's very my mind now that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. 
is maybe somebody else has done it in some way, but we brought that to market. You yep. know what I mean? So that's our direct thing. And then we have our third influence is our sheath design. Now, mm-hmm. our sheath designs are, are very unique. Yeah, the, there are some people that do Molly adaptable leather sheaths and stuff like that, but ours are very unique in their own style. And you, can, I don't care if you prefer ours to the next guy or if you like RMJs more. I don't really give two cares like that about that. <laughs> Because it's subjective and it's based on taste. But we have a unique sheath system that has always been our sheath system from day one. Yep. And so we have our own innovations. But when we see them show up, eh, sometimes you do get your knickers in a knot. And you're just like, hey, man, that was my idea that you used right there. You know what I mean? And But you only look like a jerk when you bring it to people's attention. And you can just just hang your hat on it and say, you know what? I did something that made an impact on the industry. And if they copied me, they copied me. If they did it inadvertently, great minds think alike, or at least warp minds think alike. So anyways, that's enough ranting about that. However, that is how so, I feel about it. So don't copy people. But when people copy you, don't get your ass in the air. Uh, um, and uh, to, to go back to um, the meat and potatoes of, uh, of the question a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Don't, don't. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, don't be afraid to design something because you might be copying someone else. Worry about designing the knife first. Yep. All right. Just, just, just. If, if you take away anything from 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 my from my end of the of, of the question or answer, I should say, um, it's that it's that um, you shouldn't be hampered by that. Design your knife. Yes. Do that first. Do that first. Whatever whatever you're pulling from, um, or it, it, whether it's your brain or some sort of an influence or something, get the knife on paper first. And if it looks too remarkably similar to something. Then go, well, this doesn't work. I have to kill the baby. That's a filmmaker term, by the way, kill, killing the baby. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I was like, that's aggressive. Yeah, to, to go into yeah. that to go into yeah. that for a second. It's a it's a Well, because I'm not gonna make money as right. a knife maker if I keep copying people, so I have to kill the offspring so I don't have to feed them. That's what I got from that. That's what I inferred from that <laughs> well, comment. Well, that's because you're a psychopath. No, <laughs> no, no. Just passed. <laughs> no, no, it's a so 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 to dive into that for a split second, basically it means you have this thing that you love right. absolutely so much that you're willing to completely uncompromise with. But it's ruining the chances of success. Yes. So you have to know when to kill your baby. And <laughs> I think that should go on the t-shirts. <laughs> you have to know when to kill your baby. <laughs> on a nice podcast right? t-shirt. Yes. Talk about broad appeal. <laughs> Maybe broad infamy. Yeah, yeah, right. At the same time. But um you have to know you have to know when to do that. And um but but don't be afraid of it. Just Design the knife, and if you see it that it's remarkably similar, like 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 ninety five percent, there, then go okay. I, there's some lines that I'm probably going to change to still keep my style, but be a different knife. Yeah. So design so, with reckless abandon. Oh and yeah. Execute with extreme prejudice. Yeah. No. no there, there you go. go. There, there you go. go. That, that should be on the t-shirt. That should be on the t-shirt. That should be on the Sounds t-shirt. better than killing babies. <laughs> not as funny. But yeah, <laughs> no, not that. as funny. Okay. Next, next question. Dan Malevsky. Two local knife shows, pretty small, but have big-time exhibitors, do not utilize social media to promote their shows. Many utilize Facebook and Instagram. I'm assuming that's what IG stands for. Mm-hmm. Yep. To promote their business. What's the best way to promote your business other than my work speaks for, speaks for itself? Does anybody do that? Is, is um, it, I mean, like, I mean, like, I hate to, I hate to, you know, oh, immediately you to take a partisan a position. Robbing unit to be yeah. like, my work speaks for uh, itself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, like, are you really not humble enough to understand that your work may speak for itself. And I'm super humble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, in fact, I'm the most humble. <laughs> most humble person you've ever it's, met. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, 
I, that's that's just so beyond my mentality. My work speaks for itself. You, because, you know what? I, I look. I'm rarely on uh, social media, and the reason being, Jim, is because I see this all the time. Do you really? I see people oh post God. up like, if you're in the market for some of the best knives out there, then hit up my IG. You know, whatever. And I'm not going to drop any names or whatever. But right. like, when I see that stuff, I'm like, wow. I mean, you guys are. But that's a whole. One of these days, you guys will get a couple beers of me. Maybe you're at a grind end. Maybe you're visiting my shop, and you'll broach this topic, and I will completely lose my ass. <laughs> and you will get both barrels of this conversation. But right now, what many utilize, let's see, what's the best way to promote your business? Other than, Look, I'm, right now, we're in this age of social media. Is it eventually going to decline? Of course it is. Anybody remember MySpace? Oh, like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, things are going to change. right off. However, the vanity of human beings will not. So there will always be some kind of forum. It, back mm-hmm. in the day, it was actually called forums. forums. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there will always be somewhere for you to cultivate a following. So you don't need to push your product. You need to cultivate a following. So you need to find people who appreciate your product and what you stand for and who you are. And it maybe it's an embellished version of yourself. Maybe it's who you always wanted to be. As long as you're not a a hole, mm-hmm. then that's okay. If you always wanted to be an a hole but never had the sack to do it, th- there's a lot of those on the internet, Facebook and Instagram <laughs> too. And they, you know what they do? They cultivate a holes. Yep. What you want to do is you want to yep. cultivate a good, solid foundation, and you want to have people that want to see you succeed. And when they want to see you succeed, they will like your product. And if your product is good, well, they'll buy your product. Yep, I should buy say, product, yep. they'll buy your product to see you succeed. Right. When they receive it and the product is good, they'll like your product and then they support you even more. So it's more important to say that we have got a strong support network. I don't even like the word follower because it seems kind of subservient. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't much yeah. care for the term. Or, um, or the other way, stalkerish. Yeah, or oh, that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, or tailgater yeah. or something. Tailgater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I just, uh, I, I'm a firm believer and this is the culture in my business. This has done well for us. This pays our bills. And at night, I can go to sleep saying, when I do that live feed, they talk to Matt Martin. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, there's no smoke and mirrors. There's no, I'm this high-speed tactical operator. Yep. It's like, I'm a I'm a burned-out biker who likes beer. I'm an old punk rocker, <laughs> and I just can't stand working for the man, so I stand in front of a grinder <laughs> with my family. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. it. And, and I hope you guys like that. You know what I mean? But I think mm-hmm. it's important to cultivate a following and use social media to the nth degree to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you're realizing that you're not getting a following – then it's either your product, which is hard to believe because there are a lot of rubbish products out there made by decent people who are makers <laughs> and they have a killer following. So, yeah. I mean, it really is up to the individual. And uh, Dan, I don't know you, but I know you through all the groups and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, I'm I, pretty sure you're picking up what I'm putting down. I didn't even know you made knives or maybe you're just asking this question for the sake of the show. But uh, yeah, anyways, it was a very good question. Don't come off as arrogant. Don't come off as cocky. Yes, you will attract people who also wish they were arrogant and cocky and had a reason to back it up. But those guys will either drop off or they'll make your brand look kind of glittery. If that makes sense, they'll make it look false. So just don't be arrogant. Don't be cocky. Mm -hmm. Andy Truong. You know, Andy, I... I saw you at the grindin. I think I met you for a couple seconds. I'm sorry we didn't get to hang out. Thanks for the chocolates. I've been eating out of Bark River stash. <laughs> um, but I got to say, you and your old lady were walking around ear to ear grins the entire time. Yeah. And Andy was just a beam of light. Him and his wife were Absolutely. wife or girlfriend. Uh, I'm sorry. I say old lady. I, I, I don't mean I, that as being like, disrespectful. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure wife. Okay. Yep, and so, sure uh, but you guys mm-hmm. were just 
I when whenever we go to these functions, or whether it's Blade Show or Grinding or something yeah. like that, like you have the guys who are like the permanent scowl, like, oh, I'm super operator. Meanwhile, they've been to the gun range once in their life, you know what I mean? <laughs> and they're frowning and they're all tough guy and stuff like right. that. Meanwhile, you have Andy who looks like he could rip anybody in half. I know. The guy's know. a monster, he's, right? He's, yeah. And so he's just a brutally yoked he, guy. He reminds me of that huge guy from Bloodsport. Yes. Yeah, but, oh, exactly. but way nicer. Right. But he's walking around, he's got knives in his hand, he's smiling ear to ear, and I mean he's just having the time of his life. And I was like, that is what it's all about. And honestly, you've heard us touch about on this. Uh if anybody's ever spent any time with Reed over at uh, North Star Trading Post, he's a big proponent of this philosophy as well. Is that let's step away from the nefarious connotations that surround the bladed tool itself. And let's think of it as a chance to spend time together, whether it's camping with your family, whether, I mean, hell, if you're a Joe that and knife combat's really not that common guys. I mean, let's not, it, yeah, it's, you know, let's it's not rare. kid ourselves. Yeah, it's See, I'm yeah. getting better at censoring myself. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty rare. It's close quarters interdiction, but even if it's a guy who gets to come home with his family because of a knife, I mean, these are all things, you know what I mean? So, but the reality is, is that most of the people listening to this show are collectors, even if they're combat vets, that odds of them getting involved in knife combat are fairly slim. And hats off to anybody who has. It's a pretty dangerous endeavor. It's gross. There's nothing nice about it. Mm -hmm. But to me, being in the industry, the most important part of it is the sense of community. Mm -hmm. And when you see people like Andy and his wife walking around loving their mm -hmm. time and having a blast <laughs> that means the world to me so Andy, let me get to your question uh, <laughs> that whole thing how do you deal with the criticism of your designs where do you find inspiration for knife designs good question that is a really it's good a, it's a good question how do i deal with criticism of my designs poorly oh man me too yeah, yeah. Man, me too Jim, I know that you designed this knife and you put your heart and soul into it i can tell because you know you have a lot of followers that uh, people really like it but uh this is the worst knife I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but Jim, okay, yeah. so here we're a little bit different. Jim's oh, yeah. a little bit more sensitive. So Jim, Jim, <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. Jim. He'll be like, oh, man. And then and it, it kind of yeah. gets, it's a little bee in his bonnet. And it bums him out a little bit. And then when they do it to me, I'm like, you're wrong. <laughs> this is the best. You're wrong. No, um, it, it depends, Andy, on who's giving the criticism. And it depends, mm. is this a peer? Is this somebody you look up to? Or is this some a detractor? Is that, did I use that word right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, is that's this, correct. Is this somebody who's trying to steal your thunder? You so, know somebody I mean? who's tr trying to... Trying to debase you. Yeah. From, it, can be, it can be the most innocent way to an agenda-based... I don't. I want this guy to fail, kind of a way. And sometimes so, those come in the form of compliments too. So you have to be wary oh, of yeah, those yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be worried if people are like, "Oh, I really like what you did there with that reverse blade katana." You know, yeah. <laughs> kind of a backhanded compliment. Yeah. Um, but you no. Know, so dealing with the criticism. Look, your personal makeup is going to answer that question for you. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with criticism of any kind? How do you deal with getting a haircut? Although, Andy, I don't think you're the haircut type, if I recall. But uh, <laughs> how do you deal with getting a haircut or a tattoo and people being like, that looks dumb? You know what I mean? You're like, well, yeah. it's mine, and I'm going to do with it what I want. Yep. Um, where do you find inspiration for knife designs? I tell you what, man, that could come in the form of the SR-71 Blackbird. That could come oh, yeah. in the form Absolutely. of the right leaf. I mean, that could come in the form of a car, a motorcycle, a texture, a shape. Mm -hmm. And really, if you are, um, you know, I don't like using the word artist unless they're like art knife, like uh, um, uh, Delana and Van Barnett. Yes. The art knife yes. makers, yes. right? You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. those are artists, uh, typically in the knife field, I like to call them craftsmen or even artisans, if mm -hmm. you want to go that route. 
But uh, so you can find inspiration anywhere. And I think the more artistic you are, even if you have to learn how to be that way, you'll start finding inspiration in unsuspecting places. So keep your eyes wide open in that. Um, Tommy Garcia, when is the Strike Force 2 be out? This is not a Bark River forum. You should ask that in the Bark River forum or group or whatever it is. <laughs> um, and so we're not going to answer that one. Waiting on the Gunny LT with fatter handle. Any idea when I'm... What is this? It's uh, Leon. <laughs> Tommy. There's groups for this, man. <laughs> Try that uh, out. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely uh, check out over there. And me and my father will answer those questions. There you go. So, for sure. Pierce WJ, which I know stands for Walker Johnson, Johnstone, Johnston. This one I do not know. You're alone on that one. I do. He used to have it all written out, and he's a customer of ours, so we've had to type out like 11 names every time we ship him. So, <laughs> hey, what's going on, Pierce? Uh, outside of knife making, what other hobbies, obsessions do you guys have? Jim, you've got some hilarious ones, so let's hear. I've got hilarious ones? Well, hilarious, but unique <laughs> and kind of all right. interesting. All right. Character <clears throat> piece. All right. I'm a knife maker. I love knives. It's my number one passion. My, my next passion is movies. Movies. Love. Well, I'm surprised to hear you say that. The art, really? Well, I knew it would be on the screen, but I thought you were oh, yeah, going to go to the video game. No, right? no, no. That, that's the next one after okay, that. Okay. That's the next one after that. Okay. I love, I love, um, well, TV now, because TV now is basically like, like, a, um, it, not to be a super nerd, but Game of Thrones is the only one that comes to mind. Every episode is like an hour long movie. Oh, okay. Every episode. See, to it, me, TV now doesn't have yeah. mash or cheers, so I'm. Not... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's a it's, it's a different flavor. I mean, like you have your sitcoms flavor, but then but then like the the high drama, high dollar stuff, like production value, like the production, the whole thing, House right. of Cards, Westworld, Game of Thrones. Okay. They're all cinematic. They're all um, they're all cohesive. Oh my god, that first season of True Detective. Did you ever see that? Oh my god! Oh, right? That was like watching a twenty hour yeah. movie. It was right. Six hour movie. Yeah, there there was, were yeah. there were six or eight episodes, yeah, yeah. but every though they all went together oh, really well. well well i mean they got away with that because they all were directed by the same guy the same guy directed every single every one of those episode, right. episodes and it was phenomenal just um stuff like that really captures my imagination and 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 i'm just enthralled good cinematography good story um a, a well-rounded story that takes place over the course of the movie instead of just being like broken up into little pieces and stuff like that so that's a cheap movie versus a good movie it's right. empire strikes back versus the phantom menace you know it's it's Okay, that's super. I'm sure that's super some dorky. of you guys got that yeah. reference. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, Empire Strikes Back is a Star Wars movie, of course. I love that one. Right, right. Considered one of the best movies ever made. I, I completely agree. Right. Every single film critic, right? And I know we're going about movies right now because I'm because I'm out. every every single film critic always has Empire Strikes Back somewhere in their top ten. Okay, always. Wow. All right, Phantom Menace is one of the worst movies ever. I never made. saw it. Oh, okay. Star Wars Episode One. Is that the one where Jar Jar Binks shows up yes. for the first time? Yeah. I was like, I'm not right. watching that, this. That, that's, that's a movie. It's a Star Wars movie. So you're instantly, instantly, you have to live up to a name, right? There's no main character in that whole movie. No protagonist. There's no main character wow. in that movie. It's all just these people sometimes doing these things for terrible reasons. And it could have just been written entirely better. Interesting. Yeah, the, the, the prequels 1, 2, and 3 were, were, were all... Not good movies, and that's so just me was, as in my it opinion. Was, it was a movie made to sell tickets. Yes, gotcha. yes. Well, and and George Lucas had a lot to do with that. He was heading up the whole thing. That was like his last Star Wars hurrah before he sold Star Wars. Do you think he actually wrote Star Wars? Uh, yeah, no, he did the first one. Okay, yeah. Oh, there was some. There's some debate on that. Oh, oh well, well, he was definitely influenced. He was influenced by uh, Princess of Mars, um, by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Akira he Kurosawa, was, me a little bit. Yeah, yeah a oh, lot of Akira Kurosawa and. Um, 
Man, there were there were there was a couple more, but anyway, right, 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 but anyway, right, yeah, we're, yeah. we're getting off on a tangent. So yeah, cinephile. I, I love I love movies, and then of course video games. I'm a huge I'm a huge video game nerd. I love um right now I'm right now I'm playing lots and lots and lots of Destiny two. If uh, you guys are on PlayStation, you can hit me up. My PSN ID is Drax zero two D R A X zero two. We could be friends, and if you play Destiny two, I'll be on a fire team with you. How to make friends and yeah. influence people? Absolutely, right there. Um, so yeah, I love video games and I love movies. What about your karate? Oh, yep. Okay, that's 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 and I'm that's it's more of a growing love every time. I started karate with my wife and my children, and um, it's a, it's a unique. And then style. after his first domestic abuse charge, he had to actually get professional <laughs> training. Well, it's a total joke. Guys. Well, we were practicing, and I punched yeah. her back. No, no, we not at all. Practicing karate. <laughs> yeah, when she would make me a sandwich. I'm doing air quotes so it doesn't work on the radio. So yeah, so yeah, um, I do karate. The style I study is called Wichiru. I am I'm, I'm I'm a beginner. I'm just starting to get into the intermediate belts. There's a testing coming up soon, and that's my transition from a beginner belt to an inter- to a little bit more of an intermediate belt. Um, love the style. It's great. It's a it's a Japanese hard soft style. Um, and I love it. It's great. It's a good time. I go twice a week. I drive an hour out of my way, which is crazy. And That's back devotion and discipline, guys. Well, that, it's it's, it's it's two things on that front. It's it's the style I I really like. I like the style. There's a lot of cool stuff in it. And the instructor. It's a family based business. You know, you know, a lot like mine. A lot of parallels. And they know their stuff. And they're super awesome people. That's cool. I always feel welcome when I go there, even if I screw up. They're just like they're they're. They're very cool about it. And I screw up a lot. Very so, tolerant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think in think fighting class, I got to fight Sensei um, with the gloves and everything. <laughs> and uh, he hit me 12,000 times that first time. And the second time I fought him, it was only about 11,900. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, so there yeah. was an improvement for sure, for sure. And everybody was cool about it. So that's, uh, that's, that's the hobbies that I got going on in the back awesome. end. So, uh, Matt, what about you, good sir? What do I like? I like my motorcycle. I like, yeah, I like to ride. I don't ride nearly enough. I used to ride a lot. And since we've moved to Michigan, I've been busy. So I have not been used to the breeze. Normally, it's my daily driver. Um, but I, I like Harleys. But I like all motorcycles. I like Triumphs. I like like the old Vincent Black Shadows BSAs. I like vintage motorcycles more than anything. I, I ride an <laughs> old, uh, well, not old, but 89 FXSTC for you hogheads out there. I've got a Harley Softail that's uh, Softail Custom, but it looks nothing like it's a wrap bike. Um, a lot of home-built parts and stuff on there. So I really enjoy that. Um, I would say that my second passion that I do not, as of recently, get enough time to do, but we are making provisions on the new property of the new shop to be able to do more of this. Yep. I really enjoy archery, although I'm not very good at it. I just <laughs> I really zen out uh, doing recurve archery. I've got a bear Kodiak Magnum from the 70s. Um, it's a 60-pounder because I'm a pretty diminutive cat. I'm a very small guy, and I don't have a huge wingspan. So I, before it starts stacking up, you know, I or start stacking, I have to, uh, I have to get heavier draw bows because of my shorter wingspan so that I can get a pretty effective shot off of it. So, uh, yeah, I got a 60 pound and I, I like having a nice strong recurve, you know, and so that's, uh, I know Jake, Jake way, who turns out I've been mm-hmm. pronouncing his name wrong for like the last 24. <laughs> He's episodes. been very patient with us. Yeah, he has been, <laughs> which I'm glad because that dude could rip my arms off and beat me to death with him. <laughs> uh, but no, Jake's a, a very talented archer. So I enjoy hanging out with him and we talk archery a lot, although I feel like he's a couple leagues ahead of me. So I'm like nodding like, oh yeah, totally. I can shoot <laughs> poker chips from 40 yards all the time. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I got another one on the target from 18 yards. It's a, it's a 12 by 12 target. Yeah, exactly. you know? Um, I would say finally I am a all right 
heart to heart moment, guys. We geeked out on the on the movies and stuff. I'm sure Jim, you made a deep connection with some people on the Star Wars comments. Now I'm mm-hmm. going to make a deep connection outside of this by all means outside of my profession which is knife making and and sheath making and leather work and stuff like that i much to the chagrin of my wife am deeply obsessed i feel like it's part of like a help group or something matt it's okay we love you and we're here to support you i love to unpack backpacks inventory my gear and then put them back in their respective packs I do a lot of camping. I do a lot of day trips and hiking and overnighters and long stays and all this stuff like that. And when I don't get enough time to get out in the woods, I kind of freak out a little bit. And so I am like a total gear whore and I'm a total <laughs> backpack salute. And I am so... He's, he's covering his eyes with uh, his hands I'm right now. So, I can't believe I just said this to thousands of people. But yeah, I just... I, so I will go through like my basement, my attic, my gear stashes that I have all over the place. And it's always pretty organized but i have so much stuff and i only really mm-hmm. use like 25 principal items like <laughs> i have a stove i take i have a knife uh-huh. i take a saw i take you know what i mean yeah. and a tent and a sleeping bag and a, a pack which is ever evolving but i love to go through my stuff and kind of inventory it and clean it and maintain it and then put it right back in a bag most <laughs> of it a lot of it ends up on the floor of the parlor which sends my wife into a tailspin <laughs> and then i get a pile of stuff that i have to carry back into the basement and attic respectively so okay. <laughs> those are my hobbies riding motorcycles shooting my bow and then making a mess with a bunch of <laughs> random outdoor gear. You know what? I get it though. Yeah. With, with with the outdoor with the outdoor gear and the packing thing, I can I can absolutely understand the zen that you would feel knowing that everything that you need is here. Well, and dude, and, when you and set it's your properly, when you set your backpack, he's going off on a tangent. Yeah. So when you set your backpack, I used to carry a Gregory Baltoro uh-huh. sixty five liter pack, and I had it like custom fitted to me, and that's what I would use my backpacking pack. And it's a tall, kind of slender pack, which I liked about it. Um, even that or like my snug pack mm-hmm. uh, or rocket pack or any of these. But when you pack a bag and it stands up yeah. perfectly balanced, <laughs> like there is something about that. You're like, this is going to carry well. You yeah. know what I mean? And there's like a point of pride where you can like put all your stuff in there and then you step away from it, even with your food and water and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it just stands perfectly erect and it doesn't like teeter or fall over. It's like a well like when I achieve that I, like you said it's very zen it's yeah. like a little thing of sand with the rocks and the rake you know I feel like that and so, yeah so I hope there's some total geardos out there that can relate to what I just relayed to you uh, but yes yeah, so those are my hobbies feel free to share pictures of that too by the way guys if you're into that that's cool alright quick break from the Q&A's we just got off the coolest video call with Tom Blodgett over at Genda Industries, and he took us on a, kind of a virtual tour of his shop, <laughs> and it was it was impressive. Oh, I yeah. mean, they had so many different medias, and they've got these leather knife rolls, and he showed us the seamstress making these custom uh, <laughs> custom chef's, chef's jackets, jackets, like that are yeah. like baffled in the shoulders and ventilated in the armpits. And it was really neat. So to see all that, but what. I was the most stoked about is when he peeled back the curtain a little bit and told us about an upcoming product, which are Japanese water stones 
that are made for the major players in the guided sharpening system. <laughs> yeah, sizes sizes that fit everybody. Everything, system. Edge yeah. Pro, Wicked Edge, Hapstone, and uh, and uh, uh, TS Prof. TS Prof, and of course KME sharpeners. You know it, guys. You know them, and you love them. Now imagine. You know, obviously you can get the diamonds, you can get the regular synthetic stones, you can get the Arkansas, you can get everything for these, you know, from Jenda already, but for them to, and they're, they're doing these themselves. I mean, they're, they're hand cutting these Japanese yeah, water these stones. legit Japanese water stones. They're custom cutting them to the sizes of your favorite sharpening we, system. We literally saw their tile saw. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. saw their tile saw. We saw the blocks that we, they were hewing yep, from. We saw the I, lapping plates that they were putting it to. Impressive to yeah. say the least. So I absolutely recommend you keep your eyes on Jenda. What, what's their website? Jendaindustries.com. Gen, okay. J E N D E. Right. Yeah. Industries.com. Just in case you were curious about how to pronounce and or spell it. But yeah, uh, Jenda Industries, which I didn't know how to pronounce it. And they were right next to us in Booth. And I was like, Jendi, Jendi. <laughs> Uh, It'll uh, come up in conversation. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, very exciting. So definitely stay tuned to their website for their big release when these do come out because this is a phenomenal way to augment whatever system that you prefer, which, of course, we hope you prefer the KME system, but um, to really set it apart and be able to get all the benefits that come with those natural Japanese stones, which we are going to have. I mean, there's a whole science behind it, and it gets pretty in-depth. I think at some point we're going to have to talk to Tom on air so that he can give you guys the full technical aspect of it so I don't speak out of class and say a bunch of stuff that I believe is true but I'm not positive. So anyways, check them out. Follow them. Yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they have something on Facebook too or no? Um, yes. Yes, they do. And I'm finding it right now. Totally. <laughs> the keystrokes are breaking the silence. <laughs> click, 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 click. It is... <laughs> Much apologies. Facebook.com slash Jenda Industries. And I probably just could have guessed that. But I didn't want to guess for yeah, you guys because no, I want yeah. you guys to get here. The real information. The yeah. real information. They do have a group as well, probably you know, by the same name. And uh, I highly recommend their products. Keep a lookout. And we use a lot of their products from their Nanoclaws. I use their abrasive sticks on my customs. I mean, they've got so many products out there. But this new development of having custom cut stones for your favorite guided sharpening system uh, out of the Jap traditional Japanese water stones is a pretty big deal. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy them. I know I'm looking forward to getting a set and uh, stay tuned. Alright, let's Next. see. Oh, when running with a knife in your hand, which is safer, tip up or tip down carry? Come on, dude. Um, in, in your mouth. Oh, that's exactly oh, what I was going to say. I was literally going to say yes. that. In your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Amateur hour, Nathan. Gosh. All right, Jim. I'm All talking right. so much. Go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> Question from Mr. Alex Harrison. Not to assume your gender. Either one of you could be Alex. Go judge by your profile pic. Um, guys, I'm having a hard time getting a nice, clear hormone line. Using 1095 steel and firebrick cement as my resist. I'm sure it has more to do with heat trading recipe than anything. If either of you have much experience with hormones, little wisdom from you would be a blessing. Firebrick cement's the way to go, from what I understand. Yeah, um, uh, there's a stuff called Satanite. Satanite? Satanite? No, no, Satanite. Definitely Satanite. 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 I, I know, I actually think it is pronounced Satanite, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard of Satanite, too. Um, 1095, I think it's just having a thick coating. All right, here, true, honest to God. I've heat treated knives, 
via oven and oil before. I've done it propane, torch, and motor oil. I've totally redneck heat treats. I've done good, decent heat treats on my own. I've never done a homeown. But the theory that I know says that you're on the right track. I think that's I think that maybe if you're not getting a homeowned line, maybe I think you need either either more or less cement, depending on how much you're putting on. Maybe a faster quench. A faster, yeah, faster quench. What are you quenching in? Is it mm-hmm. is it Parks Fifty? I know it's not called Parks Fifty anymore. It's something else now. Oh, it's not? No, 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 oh, no. no. It's a, it's another company bought the name and and uh, and the formula, produced the oh, same formula, but gave it a different happen? name. Like. I, I don't know. I don't want to guess. Make, don't date yep. me on oil quench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like 10 years ago, man. Oh, man. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it was less than that. I okay. think it was less than that. But um, but, but definitely double check your firebrick cement. Get a hold of guys that you know do hormones because um, that, and, and that's really all I can say confidently um, is that I would uh, just start see- experimenting with firebrick cement and set night and just laying it on there, laying down the lines with the toothpick and everything because you've seen that too, right? Yep. Right, where, where yep. you just, yeah, very yeah. Japanese style, very yeah. traditional style, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I, which I love. It yeah. turns out awesome. You yeah, nice you can really play with the activity yep. in that. Um, mm-hmm. I've done a, a few. The first thing that comes to mind would be a faster quench, but I don't know what you're using. Um, second of all, are you getting your full hardness? You know what I mean? Are you getting mm-hmm. hot enough, kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, if I could recommend, in I'm not going to point you in his direction. This is all part of the Mushashugyo. This is part of the Warrior Quest itself. But there is a gentleman named Steve Rollert of dove knives and keen keen knives keen edge knives he wasn't he lived in a town called keensburg okay um steve was the director of education for the professional knife makers association oh, cool. which was based out there of colorado yeah uh, the pka as it is known amongst that group and he is an absolute fountain of information when it comes to all things bladesmithing and mm-hmm. a very stand-up guy and just wise and experienced. And I would recommend finding him. I know he has social media. And if there was ever a guy who is going to want to dump some tribal knowledge in your nugget, it is Steve. So Steve Rollert, R-O-L-L-E-R-T. And feel free to tell him that Matt Martin sent you his way. And he is a gentleman who will absolutely take care of you. And he's a real saint on this planet today. So I think very highly of Steve. And he knows a lot about hormones. I would recommend talking to him. And he will talk you through wherever your deficiencies are and help you tune up. Because there has to be some kind of dialogue for us to dial this in. And no one's going to be able to dope in this problem better than Steve. So Excellent. Talk to him. Very cool. Uh, <clears throat> Matt, what is attached to that cord on your pants? That I think he's talking about your um your your leather kit there with your with your pioneer right. That's my umbilical cord. <laughs> Taped it there for fun. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's probably my wallet. Uh, <laughs> it, what you're seeing because there always is a leather braided oh. cord on my pants. Oh, you know I never noticed. I would assume. Like, yeah, I Yancy know. did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, come on, Jim. <laughs> my uh, bad. That's probably my wallet uh, because I'm uh, absent-minded. And on the motorcycle or any other ridiculous activities, a lot of times carnival rides, stuff like that, uh, my wallet will try to escape me, so I have tethered it to my carcass. Nice. Yeah. Very I cool. made it. Made yeah. It. I made that. Oh, I made <laughs> it. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, from Matthew Schwer. What's up, Matt? What's going on, Matt? Best way to clean micron belts. I'm having mine gum up from using the regular old gum rubber stick. Gum rubber stick works on most belts. Micron belts is a little bit more tough. I like air blasting it. Oh, you know what I like to do? What do you do? I throw it on the ground and grab a new one. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. eh, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, <laughs> Especially my ground belts because they do load up and they yeah. and they don't 
they, look, guys, I mean, it's got lower surface porosity, so it takes less material to not only clog it, but knock down the peaks of the abrasive. Yes. It's not like you're chomping through 36 grit where it's fracturing and leaving new 36 grit. All right. When you're on micro belts, guess what? Yeah. Effer is smoked. Yeah, it's either uh, it's either paper or cotton. Yeah. That's and, what you got. That's it. It's you can thin. air blast, mm-hmm. I think, your ceramic belts and your, uh, like, real material removing belts. Mm-hmm. Your polishing belts, once they get, like, that one color of the material you're working with, like brown or black yeah. or whatever, yeah. F them off. Toss them. Yeah. They're done. Um, let's see. So, Matt, sorry about that, but uh, best way to clean micro beds? Grab a new one. <laughs> I don't use the rubber stuff. I hope that no. he's chuckling right now. Yeah. He's <laughs> a big old beard. Uh, let's see. So, not so much question, but I want to thank you guys for reading my question a couple episodes ago. My girlfriend's son and his first knife. I remember that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. He's a scout, so that's what I'm going. That's why I'm going with the cadet because it's basically what he's going to get next year in the scouts, and I really feel I can teach him better one on one. Teach him better one on one. Oh, better one better on one. Yeah, as opposed to guy with class thirty boys. But I'm definitely going to pick up a couple more as for us to fool around with. Thanks for your suggestion. Thanks again, guys. Keep up the great work and awesome podcast. Hey, thanks, Jeff. We yeah, appreciate man. that, and I, I'm sure that'll work out because if you have the dedication and the attention to devote to your kids using knives then they're going to do well. I mean, you can hand him a straight razor and teach him how to use mm-hmm. it, and yep. he'll learn how to use it if you take the time to teach him. Yes. Right? So Yeah, and, and, and kids remember that stuff for the rest of their lives. Yeah, totally. That, that's what they're going to be saying 50 this years from now. Time. You know, when... when uh, My pa used to yeah. sit me down with a little... Back in the day, they made these things called ALOX cadets. <laughs> well, I yeah. hope that 50 years, not everybody has the... the <laughs> Southern accent? The, the, oh. The, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Southern gruff. It'll be, it'll be okay. Southern gruff um, almost by you. Paul Moochie. <laughs> I, no, Muchi. 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 I know he told us how to pronounce it. Muchi. 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 Okay. Yeah. Paul, what are your thoughts on slip joints with super steels? Bench made with their proper, in my, it's proper guys, not proper. Just, just, let's just clear that up right I now. I wasn't even going to say that. I don't me. know why people insist on calling it a proper. This is a written word that is in the dictionary. Yeah. So, so when meaning I, appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> when I was at the when I was at the Iwa trade show and I saw the proper, that's how it was introduced to me by the Benchmade rep. This is our new model, the proper. Sounds good to me, man. Okay, I mean, so, it's a written word. Okay. Yeah, it's the same reason I don't pronounce <laughs> yeah. it to Hogitz when he says, "What are your thoughts on slip joints?" That's a written word. I don't care if it's a trade name or not. It's a proper. Oh, damn it! What did you lose it? No, I found it again. Okay. Uh, I got it right here. Okay. Nope, you're going to have to. Okay, what are your thoughts on slip joints with Super Steels? Benchmade with a proper M154 CM and Mike Latham having Lion Steel producing their Barlow in M390. Both with a both with a price point around 100 to 120 bucks. Is this the wave of future for slip joints? Great Eastern seems to seems stuck on traditional everything with 1095 and very limited runs of stainless for 40 knives. I know Matt, you always say you hate slip joints, but you seem to carry one enough. Don't judge me, Paul. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I don't know if this is like an industry secret or not. But what I do know about Great Eastern and their, um, and their and their and their penchant for using 1095 and 440 is actually because they stamp a lot of their blades. Oh, okay. and so their stamping dies really work really well with 1095 and 440. So that's what they like to stick to. Can't blame them for wanting to stick with with the tooling that they have. Totally get it. It it, it achieve it, it allows them to achieve the price point that they're at. Um, I you know, personally, I kind of like the diversity. Because to me, other than my Swiss Army knife, uh, that's like a, a functioning tool. Mm-hmm. But I think really the drive behind the slip joints themselves is uh, nostalgic. Oh, yeah, totally. You know what I yep. mean? Mm-hmm. And to, to touch on that, yeah, for sure. Keeping in the vein of the proper, I, I think the patina 
that shows up on carbon steels adds to that nostalgia. <laughs> and so I think the patina that 1095 gets or that these carbon steels get, mm-hmm. I think adds to the look. And the more time, especially fruit because it's so acidic, but the more time mm-hmm. you peel that apple and, you know, hand a slice to your kid or your nephew or your oh, user, yeah. I, I mean, there's some um, indelible memories attached to that blade. So in that respect, and 1095 is a respectable steel, you know, it's not mm-hmm. the best steel, but it's a respectable steel. Absolutely. It's proven. Um, I, I think that's one aspect Mm -hmm. other than the tooling i'm saying that like as a customer yeah like i think there's appeal to having a carbon steel blade Mm -hmm. because of its patina and i think as a daily user that is going to get used beyond i'm sorry guys i don't mean to be uh i don't know but (laughs) as opposed to a novelty (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean and then i would vote more on the super steel if you use your slip joint every day for something and you don't want to have to sharpen it all the time and wear it away to nothing then get the higher end steel yeah it's a buyer's market at that point. oh yeah and i I wasn't bagging on great eastern i want you to think that i was bagging on great eastern Uh, no no they make phenomenal knives i'm definitely not bagging on them i'm just saying that the tooling that they have it's convenient for them to use it and 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 you know what? For ever for for everything that I know, because I I heard this this through other people, I could be totally wrong. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. So so yeah. But um, but um, I think. But as far as my opinion on this one goes, I I love the idea because it's not something that you see. I think you're going to see more and more people doing it. I know that when we get into slip joints, we're going to be experimenting with different steels like that too. So there you go. So um, yeah, no, no, it's it's a. Uh, I think I think it's while while it may not be the necess- necessarily the wave of the future because the more super steels that you put in, the higher the price is going to drive up. Which you're yeah. already paying over a hundred and twenty dollars for a ten ninety five folding knife. You yes. Think about yeah. That. Yep. And uh, and it's great that they're able to produce an M three ninety blade for hundred hundred and twenty bucks. That's I think cool. that's, that's great considering yeah. considering last time I checked, M three ninety was something like. What thirty bucks a pound? Yeah, or something it was like ridiculous. That. Yeah, yeah. It was ridiculous. I was going to say about twenty, but I think that yeah. was twenty CV, which is a counterpart. It was about twenty bucks a pound, but that was last time I checked a couple of years ago. We haven't bought twenty CV in a long time. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, slip joints with super steels. I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's the wave of the future because I think it's a price point issue. And then as demand grows, so will the price. And then because those super steels are more expensive, price will also go up too. But you'll still have good slip joints at the lower price point too. In the current so, yeah. so I think I think maybe as I as I just speak here, I think it just it's 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 an expansion of the market. Yeah, I don't think one's no. going to go away or replace no, one. I think not. they're both going to be around, and like I said, it becomes a buyer's market, and you get to pick whichever one you like. Right, and, 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 and I would recommend getting some cool ebony wood or stag or oh, something totally. like that in carbon. <clears throat> oh, there are, then, there are guys that just collect one model of knife in different handle materials. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. And then there are guys that collect that one model of knife in one handle material. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just depends on the production run. So yep. I mean, uh, there there's there's a flavor for everybody in it for sure. Yep. So all right, last <clears throat> question. All right. I don't have it. My phone's about to die. All right, I got it. From Steve Grammer. Hello, hello, good sir. Wonder if you discuss different types of locking devices on folding knives. Anything Ooh. new out there or how old compared to new methods of locking the blade? Thanks. Ooh, oh, oh my, my God. I could do a whole history segment on I this. Mean, I mean, like, do we talk about, what was it? What was it? The, the Dozier double liner lock? Oh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or the Chris Reeve. Uh, the, uh, Incosi. Incosi? Is yeah, that the one with that I, I th- weird little lug on top? The yeah, the, I, think that, I think that's looking? the Incosi, where where there's, there's like a... I, I, I gotta look it up. I thought I had a more less African less African name. I think they're all pretty African I know, names. I mean, South African, so I mean, I understand that, but I, I thought it had a... <clears throat> I'm looking at it right now. I think the Incosi looks like a... 
Okay, so we've got... No, 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 it's not the Ancosi. That's, oh, okay. that's a frame lock. So I can't remember what it is. Oh, they just, like Futura or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like something... They, they just discontinued yeah, it. We, they talk, just... we covered it in one of our episodes in Knife News when they discontinued it. Yeah, it's not It's not even on their website no, anymore. I, I know so, Derek over at Knife Ship Free has got a couple at least. I've seen one in a showroom, and that's the one that I've played with the most. Um, it is... Oh, 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 here it is, here it is, here it is. The tie lock elemental tie lock. The tie that, lock. It was a tie lock. Yeah, okay. that was a tie yeah, lock. Good. Spring bars on the spine of the blade. Super professional. Yeah, we handled that very well. Oh, it's because uh, we're we're professionals, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this podcast <laughs> almost pays for itself. <laughs> um, <coughs> yeah. So there's that, which is pretty uh, neat. I think I probably think my favorite out of all, though, to be completely honest, mm-hmm. and you guys have heard me reference this from a safety standpoint a hundred times over. Paramilitary two compression. Oh lock. my the god! Spider yeah. compression lock. They're like, hey, let's make a backwards liner lock. Money. It's yeah. <laughs> so much safer. I, uh-huh. I, I, it's bomber. I really like it. Um, the axis lock, the arc lock, yep, the, the cam lock of yep, some variety. Yep. The axis lock are um, any any one of those things where it basically drives a wedge into the blade, slamming the way, blade in between a stop pin and the wedge. Yes. Um, okay. So what that does, and to talk a little technical for a second. One, it's a new type of super strong lock. That knife is not coming apart unless you break the knife. <laughs> it's true. True story. Okay, item number two, and you guys may not have picked up on this one, or maybe you have and you're just you're super smart, but this was it blew my mind when it when I realized it. There's no adjustment when you put it together. Because it's a cam. All. It wedges in. It just wedges right. in. And if the blade happens to be a half degree or a degree off knife to knife, who cares? Who cares? Right, because it'll keep wedging. It, it's wedged and it's in there. You just put it together. Right. You make no the parts tuning. and you put it together. So you can imagine oh, it, cool. these just flying out the door. Right. I thought it was super genius. That it's awesome. Bad. Yeah, it's really cool. What's, is that um, one? Uh, um, oh, oh, look up the Spyderco Phoenix. Spelled with a PH? Y- yeah. As opposed to, <laughs> yeah, as in the bird and the city. <laughs> okay, okay, that's Spider- a ball lock, right? Hold on, let me mute this. You, um, uh, are you pulling that up? Yeah, I'm okay. pulling it up right now. Hang on, it's got kind of a translucent scale. Yeah, yeah, I know. You can see the ball lock. Yes, um, so that's the same kind of thing, except they use a ball bearing. Yeah, well, well, that's so so. I wonder if it right? works exactly the same because I have a Manix two that has. I know that's what I'm wondering. Similar... If, I think the Phoenix was first because that's discontinued, but that was one I think out of Tai Chung. That was one of their more high end knives, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that the feline's hindquarters? Like, isn't that fancy looking? The way it's on like a little piston rides in a I, little track. You know what? It's steampunky. Oh, I it's, think it's hot. It's absolutely I think steampunky. It's so hot. It's pretty cool. Let's see. What is it? okay? You know what? He just pulls. Okay, yeah, the Mannix does the same thing. It's just Except Mannix, it has a switch it, around it, right? Right, it has like this little injection molded cup that holds the ball. Instead of pinching there. the sides of a ball bearing. Right, so, you're I mean, pinching the sides of a thing that pulls, the, that pulls it back. Yeah. I just think they're super No, hot. But, but that's the same concept as the axis lock. Yeah, it is. Right, yeah, yeah. right. So, so it's just the ball bearing just wedges its way. You know, so so it, oh. wed- yeah, it wedges it wedges the blade in between the ball bearing and the stop pin. So Guys, I, I, I invite you to look this up. The Spyderco Phoenix... And look, I'm not into real radical designs. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm pretty classic, but this thing is just cool looking. And they come in a variety of different handle scales. I think they're discontinued. Most of them are that kind of opalescent pearl white or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
just a neat looking lock. Like the mechanism is what turns me on more than anything else about the knife. I think it's a cool knife though. Oh yeah, they're pretty slick. Yeah. Um, and I gotta I gotta mention my absolute favorite type of lock that not a lot of people like because they associate it with cheap knives, but it's awesome, is the basic top lock. Like a spine lock? I love spine locks. Yeah, like on a Buck 110 <clears throat> or oh, a yeah. Spyderco Enduro <clears throat> or Ron Lake. Ron oh, Lake makes some of the best I, ever, I, you know. I mean, I mean, if, if those two parts fit together properly, you should be able to layer lock, just the lock part, into the blade itself and then pick up the... And oh, then, and it just and, hangs there? And it'll just hang there Ooh. no matter how you rotate it. You can rotate wow. it with like a degree of like 40 Oh, because degrees. it's a square instead of a square oh, right. keyway sort of, yeah. <clears throat> right, I mean, that, if designed properly and executed properly, it's not... It's not going to fail you. Nice. I mean, the only the only time it's ever better, I think, is was Cold Steel's version, uh, where where the Tanaka. No, that was, was that it's the, it's no. They've got they've got their own they've got their own version of the top lock, where instead yeah. of instead of the square hitting uh hitting a uh hitting just a square cutout in the blade, uh-huh. the, the 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 front of the the top lock actually rests against a stop pin, capturing. So there's a point of contact oh. on the stop pin oh. and the point of contact where it catches the lip of the blade in the back. And then at the same time, the blade hits the other side of the stop pin. Oh, that's clever. So, yeah. No, so it's, it, it actually encaptures it. It's a captive stop pin yeah, between two locking faces. Absolutely. Wow. And, and it was, and it was just, it's just times 10. Right. It's the spine lock times 10. And that's it does clever. a, it does a great job. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's really good. It's, it's like, it's like, how do you make the spine lock better? You had to stop. It. Right. And, and honestly, it's, it's multiple points of contact. Um, yeah. It's, it's A plus. Yep. It really is. So. Jim? Yeah. Good sir, that's been a podcast. We will see you guys next week. This has been episode 24 of Behind the Blade Podcast. My name is Jim Stewart signing out for Mad Martin. You can check us out on Facebook.com slash Behind the Blade Podcast, Instagram at Behind the Blade Podcast, and of course, Don't forget about our upcoming YouTube channel. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, We we might have some other things coming up soon, too, for other ways that you can podcast. Or you you can subscribe to the podcast as well. It's late. Forgive me, guys. (laughs) But we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to this show. We couldn't do it without you. Have a good night.